Today's episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Hi, I'm Ryan LaPlante, and I'm one of the crazy founders of Dumb Dumbs and Dice, the production company that's made the video you're watching or the podcast you're listening to right now. Now, we're clearly busy. We're producing four weekly podcasts, Dumb Dumbs and Dragons, Blood and Syrup, Warhammer 40,000, The Valentine Heresy, and Curse, Code, and Crown, as well as four event podcasts with miniseries releases scheduled at random intervals, Dumb Scum and Villainy, The Mythos Mysteries, One Shots, and the bad movie review show, Garbage Town the Movie Podcast. But we want to take this time to invite you to become a part of our company and a part of our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. You can get access to our Discord, access to exclusive DM and character chats. You can get the chance to name characters in our shows. You can even become a recurring NPC and hear yourself interacting with our characters each week through the voice of Tom. You can become a patron for as little as $1, and there's great value for you at even that level. So please, join the Dum Dums and Dice family and help us make even more content Content in a way that you are guaranteed to love. That's patreon.com slash dumdumdice. D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. So let's do something dumb together, and thanks for being part of our stories. I am Executron, god of merchandising, and I came into existence because Dum Dums and Dice has its own merchandise. That's a god pot, get it? Dice? Merchandise? Anyways, you can get t-shirts, hoodies, spiral notebooks, clocks, wall art, throw pillows, bags, and even stickers emblazoned with your favorite Dum Dums and Dice characters and their catchphrases. Go to redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. That's D-U-M-B, D-U-M-B, D-I-C-E. One more time for the mortals in the back, redbubble.com slash people slash Dum Dum Dice. Get your merchandise today. Welcome back to Curse, Code, and Crown, a live play Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition podcast featuring a fully original world and campaign. I am the wizard Cronox, observer of time. Curse, Code, and Crown features our regular voiceover artists and improvisers. Laura Elizabeth as the orc countant Eta and Princess Gwendolyn. Tyler Hewitt as Maka Deathcap and Ryan LaPlante as Duncan Kindano alongside our dungeon master, the incredible Tom. McGee. So get ready for an adventure including thrills, chills, and hope for a brighter tomorrow. It's time for Curse Code and Crown! Once again, you find yourselves out to sea. Now, the last time you found yourselves uh, truly uh, out on the water in any real way, uh, you had just uh, escaped uh, from Gren and um, the uh, byproduct. It was the first time that uh, a few of you, uh, Gwendolyn and Duncan particularly, had st stepped foot into a larger world uh, of, of Gren uh, outside of what you knew. And to some extent, Maka, that was true for you as well. Um, by, by choice, um, you had cloistered yourself um, in your hut in the islands of Bleen and the swamps. 
in order to uh, best serve Jossie's will and uh, to best serve uh, the people of Bleen and to serve as their gravekeeper, um, helping them to pass over and helping the cycle of, of death, growth, rebirth, decay, uh, to continue to run unabated. Um, so though the uh, surroundings are familiar and the orientation is somewhat familiar, uh, the world has changed for all of you quite considerably. Uh, there's Ida as a base level, um, one more person on the boat with you. Um, but for each of you, um, rather large uh, sort of seismic shifts in your understanding of the world and in your own beliefs have occurred. Uh, for you, Duncan, um, you found uh, a purpose outside of merely serving the crown uh, and are now struggling in some ways, uh, both reveling in being able to pursue justice in its purest form, um, but also having to contend with your the feelings of duty you still feel to Gwendolyn and uh, to Orvel that are now no longer born of uh, simply of duty, but are, are born instead of uh, the feelings you have toward her and, and your home and what it could all be. Um, more importantly, you are seeing the toll that uh, these events are starting to take on your, your compatriots. And though you yourself have kind of tempered um, your will against such things, uh, you know that both Maka and Gwendolyn feel things uh, very deeply. And uh, even Ita, who you've only known for a short time, is uh, in well over her head. And uh, you yet again find yourself kind of the steward of, of, uh, of a group. Uh, and of course, uh, you've been branded and have entered uh, the uh, Tournament of Champions, um, which you still have very little detail about, uh, but that, uh, as far as you can tell, is something that will, will dog your steps um, as you make your way around the world. On the one hand, the duelist in you is finally free and finally able to truly uh, flex your muscle, flex your ability, and uh, embrace that, that part. On the other hand, um, your first duel nearly killed you. And if there's an entire league of people, and as you learned, uh, a league that has been eager for fresh blood waiting, uh, you can only imagine what else waits for you out there in the dark. Ita, um, what should have been a fairly simple, if important to you, uh, first uh, accounting um, has instead turned into a quest. Uh, after your uh, the failed assassination attempt on you, you were left with more questions than answers. And for someone who deals in logical probability, uh, the uncertainty of, of conspiracy, of cloak and dagger, is a, uh, a rot that eats away at, at your sense of calm and your sense of balance. Yeah. Um, perhaps, worst of all, uh, the Empire of Numbers is all you've ever known, much like... Gwendolyn, Duncan, some degree Maka, without those systems in place, you'd be very apt at navigating the world with the full power of the empire behind you. But on your own, uh, it is a strange new world. And as a result, you find yourself um, both blessed and saddled with companions, uh, something that uh, I think is is new to you and, and somewhat uncomfortable, but is also very much necessity uh, because without them, you would likely starve to death within a matter of days. <laughs> um, nevertheless, they do seem aligned in, in your goals and in helping you. And there's a comfort in that um, because uh, after all, everyone needs a second pair of eyes to look over one's equations. And though those eyes may not be as trained as yours, uh, they do seem... Uh, capable in their own right. 
Um, and so for now, you're stuck along for the ride, having no clear leads um, towards the conspiracy, but knowing that your best chance is to stick with uh, this this small group uh, in yeah. the hopes that uh, things will begin to make sense and begin to open up. And at the very least, to protect you if those who attempted to kill you before attempt to kill you again. Gwendolyn, uh, you regained control of your body, which was huge. Uh, this was something you had not considered was an option. And having Karen drive you around like a weird Gwendolyn suit was unpleasant. <laughs> yeah. Um, but over and above that, uh, you now find yourself, uh, now that you're back in control of your faculties, uh, in a rather difficult position, that of, uh, in some ways, for the first time, uh, being left to rule on your own. Uh, logically, you knew this would always be uh, an eventuality of taking the crown back when you were assumed to become the philosopher queen after your father died. Um, but watching him rule and as as kind of you became more jaded with the court system in, in uh, Orville, you always assumed you would have advisors uh, at hand. And though you still have those advisors, technically, with Duncan now in pursuit of uh, Lady Justice's uh, needs and demands in the world, uh, you find yourself in the position of having to make more decisions. And this is a, a scary place uh, for you. But you're also not uh, the woman you were when you left Orville. Um, you have uh, had to negotiate, you've had to compromise, and you've had to make hard calls with drastic, long-reaching consequences. And I think now more than ever, the weight of the uh, alliance of equals is weighing heavily on your shoulders uh, because you've chosen an incredibly difficult path, a, a righteous one to be sure, one that will hopefully yield better results than what you've known. But the real cost is now yours to bear. Uh, and you feel lucky that you still have Duncan and, and Maka by your side. Um, and Ita seems to have knowledge of a nation beyond yours, but um, the burden of leadership is, is now very much yours to bear. And um, you, you've begun to see what that looks like in a variety of situations. Also, of course, having realized that down here, humans are not top of the heap and there is a lot of uh, prejudice and uh, work to be done. And of course, Maka, you more than anyone in our small vessel uh, have um, been, been faced with some hard truths. Uh, what you've discovered in, in Bleen has shaken you to your very core. Uh, Jossie, driven mad by the corruption of uh, the Indara processing, uh, your own role in it, unbeknowing, but still very much a, a key part of the machine uh, that helped to draw energy out of the cycle itself and process it. Um, and of course, the, the knowledge that Jossie herself has become tainted and is hell-bent on the destruction uh, of the world she once sought to help keep in, in perfect balance. Um, you have answers to some immediate questions, but none to the larger question of what's to be done, aside from a small scrap of paper uh, that uh, Duncan managed to find for you uh, that has suggested that your only hope of restoring Jossie is to travel back to Orville, as indeed you did with uh, Presidentia Umos back when our adventure began, uh, to find um, a pure sample of uh, Glomra. Um, you're still unsure of what that all means, what the effect will have, and more importantly, what is special about this untainted Glomra, for it would seem that the, the madness of Jossie and the corruption of the cycle happened much, much later than that sample would have been given to Orville. So there are still some questions as yet unanswered. Um, 
But having seen the dead rise and your own people become corrupted by the very cycle you sought to protect, uh, you're in a bit of a rough spot. And though you kind of know what must be done, it doesn't really change the fact of what has been done already and how that has affected you and uh, and your people. So this is the the state in which uh, you, you find yourselves um, on this, uh, this small skiff. Um, your sail is up, your oars are in. Um, this is a, uh, it's not a, a huge boat um, by any stretch, but it is certainly hardier than the, uh, the the sort of small gondolas that were used to get between uh, the islands of Bleen. Um, you can think of this thing as, um, <laughs> I don't know boats well enough to say this with any real certainty, but let's say a 20 foot boat. Um, so it's got a little bit of, a uh, little bit of room. Um there's a, a small cabin at the back that really is just somewhere that's kind of sheltered that you can sleep. It's not large enough to sit in. It's kind of a, almost a crawl space. Um, but uh, if if someone needs to get below decks, uh, Maka, for you, uh, for turtles in general, sleeping above deck, just kind of tucking into your shell would be just fine. So you get the sense that um, this, this boat is probably built... Um, for uh, visitors, uh, as you know, many pe- people of different uh, walks of life come to Bleen. Um, there were some provisions already aboard, um, which is great. Uh, certainly not, you know, it's not incredibly well stocked. It's not like a Costco, but um, it uh, it's got you know some some preserves, some hard tack, some uh, certainly some fresh water. Um, sort of you'd imagine for a day trip. Uh, you know, in case everyone on the trip got hungry, so you wouldn't have to stop at a convenience store or anything along the way. Um, the sail itself is a uh, a large triangular single sail um, marked uh, in kind of a, a brilliant cerulean blue um, with a um, the, uh, the sort of insignia of uh, the consortium of Lean. Um, you can think of it as a friendly pharmaceutical company logo. Um, so something that is very round and has like some very happy little offshoot lines, almost like a sun. Um, but that is clearly a corporate attempt at feeling warm and friendly. Um, it, uh, to you, it's almost, I don't think Maka, you would even recognize it anymore. It's just so ever present within Bleen that your brain just kind of scans over it, uh, kind of like we do over, I don't know, like an Apple logo now, where it's just like, yeah, it's just noise. Um, but Duncan, to you, of course, based on uh, the, the frustration and rage and, and disgust, I think you feel for what you witnessed, um, just being forced to stare at this stupid fucking logo is just like, just a little kick in the ass on the way out the door, you know? Um, so, um the uh, the four of you um, have have left Lean, uh, and uh, you've been at sea for a few hours now. Um, the, uh, the the islands um, are visible uh, in the distance behind you, and uh, as you'll recall from the end of our last session, um, there are uh, storm clouds that have rolled in, and a uh, so now you kind of have a still high in the sky, but a, a, a light uh, gray cloud cover, and uh, it's spitting rain. Um, so just a light rain. As uh, you continue to uh, to sail towards parts unknown, um, I imagine, uh, given that you all had to haul ass out of town, um, that you likely have some things you'd like to discuss with each other and some things you might want to catch up on. So, given all of that, um, you do have some time uh, together, and we won't say this is like one long protracted conversation that you all magically have. But I'd be curious about the types of things you think you would discuss during your downtime. If there's anything you would want to bring up, if there are any theories you would want to explore, um, and what else do you think you'd be doing. 
given that you currently don't really have a destination other than forward. Um, which Maka, I think you could probably, and Ida to some extent, but I feel like, I think Ida is kind of like me if I try to drive across Canada. I know how to get on a train that will take me across Canada or an airplane that will fly me across Canada. <laughs> but in terms of driving, I'd be like, oh, wow, there's a lot of turns and stuff. Where's my you know, dotted line? <laughs> I can't just Indiana Jones my way across the continent. Interestingly enough, Duncan has navigator's tools and is proficient with them. Well, that might be something you want to play with in this downtime period. Uh, yeah, excellent. So uh, all that to say, I think uh, Maka would be able to identify that... Um, Beyond Bleen, in almost any direction, you will eventually hit land um, just because, you know, it's not in the middle the way of the world works. Exactly. Um, that said, in some directions, that would be an awfully long trip and you would definitely be, be in trouble. So, Duncan, I think your navigator's tools would probably be helpful for determining the closest uh, vector to landfall so that you don't just, you know, starve to death in the water. Um, but that's it for me. You guys talk now. I think Go, Duncan. play. <laughs> I think Ida Duncan and Maka together would basically be able to figure out like where friendly or neutral land is closest kind of between the three of them. Oh yeah. But like Duncan would have functional knowledge in the way that like he would know what the map of the world looks like. I feel like he'd be better mm. with the navigator's tools and he'd have some idea of a boat. Cause we've established that he did like go out on the water and try to yep. learn additional skills up in, in Gren, but he would not know the locale at all. He wouldn't know specifics. It's sort of like, he'd know the continent. Like that's where, you know, Australia is, that's Africa, but that's kind of his knowledge. Yeah. So he would definitely yeah. need the locals to be able to kind of narrow that down. And um, Ryan, just to tack on to that, I also think by the time you were looking at maps, um, well, but you spent a lot of time in libraries looking at old stuff. So you may have seen older things, but I think like modern Orwellian maps are likely that like weird, shitty Elizabethan England, like, here's where the men with, with mouths in their stomachs are. Like, one of those things were just all, like, they kind of have a general sense of land masses, but they're all kind of blobbed together in a weird, dumb way. Um, that said, because of the nature of the work you did, you probably would have found some older stuff, but I think it, it's left you, yeah, with kind of like a functional understanding. And um, all of you had decided prior to uh, your your journey into Sprongbrek um, that you did want to head uh, uh, east, I believe. Um to uh, make landfall. You had some questions uh, about Apex um, and uh, some of the areas uh, over that way. So there was a sense of heading in that general direction. So I think that's probably where you would be aiming. Yeah, I think go. Duncan, yeah. if Duncan was going to have that chat, yeah, he'd be leaning on Apex as the next target. Because basically the only two things they haven't dealt with are Apex is a series of question marks involving like what the fuck happened with Dano the Mystic and a bunch of other things that I don't think he would even necessarily bring up because no one on the boat has any answers and Duncan is not a guy to sit around guessing with a group of people <laughs> especially if it contains Ita. Uh, so I think <laughs> he'd be focusing more on getting the boat where it's going than anything else. He'd be there to kind of provide an ear for anybody else but I don't think a lot of his stuff is kind of like, yeah, we got to save Orville, given, yeah, I've got to do the Tournament of Champions, but not on this fucking boat. And no one can help me with that because they trapped me in a magic circle. And then Apex question mark uh, is kind of where he'd be at. So a lot of functional let's not die on a boat action. That's fair. Yep. I like all that. Um, Maka. Maka would, uh, I mean, he was dealt a special kind of blow back there in Bleen that I think um, 
I think having never been at odds with Jossie before, um, he would turn to other kind of sources of like comfort and knowledge, like the cluster, like the, um, Oh, I can't remember what name we gave them, uh, but the uh, the the tree folk, root yeah, folk. root folk, root folk. Thank you. Uh, uh, the root folk sort of consciousness that he also carries with him through his arm, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and I think would be doing sort of a lot of introspection, a lot of kind of, I guess, like ex- existential questions and stuff like that. Like before, it was just Maka in service of Jossie people would speak, speak of him as like a, a cleric or like a holy man, but he didn't seek to like spread the word or anything like that. Like it was just doing the work to, for him, as far as he was concerned, there didn't need to be more or less believers in Jossie or anything like that. He just knew what he had to do and now he doesn't know what to do. Mm. So I think there's a real hollowness to that right now where there's, there's no fulfillment or at least he can't he can't reach fulfillment the same way he has all these years that has been that has been tainted and sort of taken from him mm-hmm. um do you think he would be sharing that with anyone or is this an internal like <clears throat> you obviously talk about kind of leaning on the cluster which i think makes a lot of sense particularly given everything that's happened um, and uh, on the knowledge of the root folk and kind of living through, through those memories. So do you think this is like a, uh, almost a a meditative? I think, I think it's a lot of sitting and meditating on the, on the, on the skiff here. Um, He'd be open to like, like, it's not like a leave me alone kind of thing Mm -hmm. that he's putting out there for everyone else on, on, because it's a small vessel too. Yeah. Um, But I think that's where, where he would go for comfort is sort of, inward gotcha i think ida would be inclined to approach maka mm-hmm. um having had i think what she sees as a similar experience mm. um so i think she she just basically like go like s- sit next to maka and say um so it it seems that uh we have found a common ground you and i and that we have both been betrayed by fundamental things we have believed in yes mm. betrayed you say mm. well yes because you know like your your god seems to be i i don't i mean your people they like messed with this 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 cluster this Mm, yes. Your your God has been poisoned. It has. It all seems to be uh, horrible. I mean, the, the, I, I mean, the way you were treated was awful. And me, I mean, the the Apex Institute, apparently Apex Industries, who knew, uh, was all at the center of this, which I, I, I did not know. I see now. I misunderstood. I thought you were speaking of Darcy betraying me, and this. Mm, it is unclear, but yes, the people of Bleen, they did betray my trust, and I was manipulated. Mm. And you, what? you too were manipulated, yes? Yes, by the Empire of Numbers. You were, you were sent to Sprongbreck to die. Mm. What yes. will you do? 
What, what I, do you wish to be done? I will be honest, I am conflicted as I, I do not know who was the ultimate architect of what has happened to me or to the Apex Institute. So, I mean, I suppose I could rage against the empire as a whole, but that seems to be fairly fruitless until I have more information. Are there those in your homeland who would call you friend or family? Hmm. Uh, I mean, yes, I certainly had colleagues, my fellow students, my teachers, my... Does this betrayal extend to them? Hmm? Everyone in Bleen has been taken from me, though I did not share a bond with anyone still living in Bleen. Uh, I'll, I'll be honest, I, I had not considered that those closest to me would also be part of this conspiracy, but perhaps they are. Perhaps I am alone. It is a fraught thing to consider. Hmm. But know this, on this vessel with us, you are not alone. Hmm. Okay. And I just uh, put like my hand on, on Marcus' hand and said, that, that is most, most reassuring. Hmm. Most reassuring. <sighs> Um, Gwendolyn, what are you doing during this? Um, uh, Gwendolyn's kind of like, uh, like, I don't know. I, I, I think she's kind of like, just going to go along for the ride for now. Mm -hmm. Really? Because it's like, I, I think there's just like too much big stuff going on that she's she's kind of she has no idea what the next move is Fair enough. but it's like i mean obviously what happened i her thoughts are just like okay well what happened to orville is obviously like related to everything that's happened with the club like there's obviously this is all connected so it's like well let's solve one part of this i guess <laughs> if we can yeah. I, I don't think she's really thinking much much beyond that. That's fair. Um, is she the brooding type who would have taken over the cabin and just kind of sat there? Or is she out kind of moping around doing chores? No, she's visibly moping. She'd, she'd, want, I, she'd like, want... With inscrutable armor face, she'd have to be like... Oh, yeah. Just like, <laughs> she's just like Charlie Brown walking with, with her head hung, like back and forth. Yeah. Just imagining like a, a Dark Souls soundscape of like... Clunk, 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 just <laughs> yeah. like monsters in the background. I mean, she's still, you know, like, she would still want everyone to know that she's not, like, totally happy. All right, so, Grumpy, <laughs> uh, what's going on? You're doing a lot of moping around considering it was his god that betrayed him. And then I just think she gets, like, super defensive, like, well, yeah, well, can't I be sad for my friend? Jeez, like, you have, like, say who can be sad and who can't be, like... Who are you? Well, I'm keeping Duncan Kendano. I mean, thank you, Maka. I'm keeping us all alive. The thing that I'm pointing out is other people who are worried about Maka have gone to Maka or spoken with Maka. They're not just moping around like they did back at the castle when they were 12. 
Well, now if I go and like check on Maka, it's obviously just because like you chastise me about it. It's not even going to be genuine. Yeah, so why would you want to help a friend just because it's an advisable idea? Instead, you can leave them alone and stare at the floor some more. I just gotta look over at Maka and like, Maka, you know I'm like here if you want to talk, right? Like, there is, uh, there is reassurance, Gwendolyn, in your, in your seeking to take action. Hmm. Yes, when the time comes, I know, I know you will be ready to assist and provide aid. Hmm. Yes. And I just kind of like, like very large, like basically point like my hand, just like <laughs> see, like, like towards mock, like see Duncan. I know, I know how I'm helpful and I know I'm not helpful by like talking and like being all like, hey. I mean, it felt like when you spoke to him, you felt reassured at the end. So I think this one might go in that chalk it up as a win for Duncan category. All right, Duncan wins again. That's fine. This is a great boat. We're going to call this the great boat Duncan wins. Um, (laughs) Duncan will take this as a victory in a quiet dad way in that if Gwendolyn is angry, she usually starts thinking about the future. (laughs) She's hoping she doesn't do anything. Uh, narratively just pointing out Duncan never takes a win in a quiet way, but yeah, sure. Let's go with that. <laughs> Dum Dums and Dice would like to welcome you into a world of darkness and vampires with Blood and Syrup, a Vampire the Masquerade live play podcast featuring Ryan LaPlante as the gangster Ridley Beef, Tyler Hewitt as the conflicted detective Everett Fry, and Megan Miles as the poet Iris Dunn with storyteller Tom McGee. Join these newly turned vampires as they try to take control of Montreal. But all is not as it seems, and as their humanity slowly slips away, they are forced into increasingly dangerous situations as the streets of the city run red with blood. Ain't sticky with syrup. Abandon hope, all ye who listen here. New episodes available weekly. Ha, ha, ha. So uh, a day passes, um, uh, night comes, uh, the rain uh, becomes a bit heavier, um, but still in, in that way that's um, light enough. And obviously like you're on the water, so you're kind of just damp all the time anyway. Um, the rain is light enough that it's it's present and you're aware of it, but not so much so that it's it's any huge impediment to to you. Cool. Um, you've uh, you've worked through the, the rations that were aboard the ship uh, and... Um, <laughs> Sorry, I just like my mind immediately went to cannibalism. I'm like mm, turtle turtle soup. <laughs> Obviously I mean, not. Sorry, that's what I would have had to explain my. I laugh. also feel like uh, if you try and serve them up on a platter, like you saw what happened to the corpses back in Bleen, like it's gonna be a bad scene for everybody. Um, but yeah, you're... Duncan decided the moment he got on the boat, if somebody gets eaten, it's Ida. <laughs> <laughs> It's right in her name. Um, yeah, so you're on a boat. You have a tiger. You're having philosophical <laughs> conversations with Richard yes. Parker, the tiger. Yes. And definitely no cannibalism is afoot. Um, it would be a very beautiful movie that's very slow. Um, so uh, you've run out of the rations. Um, I'm going to say that uh, you're hungrier than you you probably would be normally, only because you guys were in kind of rough shape after your, your escapades and bleed. You didn't exactly leave, you know, well-fed and well-slept 
uh, you kind of like ran away from a burning city as monsters chased you. So, um, although you've been able to sort of patch up your wounds and and heal up, um, you know that uh, no matter where you're going or how long it's going to take to get there, you will need to to search for sustenance. So, not unlike your first boat trip, uh, it is it is fishing time uh, on the good ship Duncan's Wind. Um, so, uh, Gwendolyn, previously, uh, you ended up with fish inside you, uh, from attempting to eat them. And then you literally had a fish inside you when Karen took over your body. Mm -hmm. So this is a whole different literal kettle of fish. Um, but Duncan, Maka and Ida, I'm curious, uh, how you would go about, uh, trying to, to feed yourselves. Maka, you might not only because you're kind of in a meditative state and, and kind of sorting through the cluster. So I don't know that you'd be thinking about food necessarily. What do you think? Maka, I think, would need to have the assurance that if he were to conjure up good toadstool, which I think is what we called goodberry. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That it would not just poison his comrades and turn them into Jossie zombies. Um, that's, that's fair. Uh, so I think he would look to more conventional methods as well like fishing and things okay. like that all right fair enough yeah i think edith's like literally like leaning over the side of the boat and performing like a droid analysis on the fish <laughs> just got her great club and is like ready to strike it's great yeah you're just fishing with hand grenades you know that, that old chestnut <laughs> Uh, Duncan, I think, would coordinate with Maka if they were going to do, if Maka expressed his concerns, because they've traveled enough that they kind of know some of each other's tricks. Totally. I think uh, using uh, the the toadstools as bait, uh, he'd put mm. together like an improvised kind of like fishing line, and then they could see essentially if they make evil jossy <laughs> fish or not. Like if a fish bites and we bring them up, are they a weird zombie or are they kind of normal? Uh, and that would probably be Duncan's move. So he would make fishing poles for, I think, himself and Maka and Gwendolyn if she wants to come play this weird fishing game. Yeah, like zombie fish definitely sounds like one of those sci-fi movies that Netflix really thinks I want to watch all the time. So I like this. I like this plan. Uh, I like yeah. the test fish. You know, it's a safe, safe bet. Um, okay, so um, Duncan, I assume as the most dexterous of the party, you would likely be doing the uh, the casting. Um do you guys think you'd be trying to fish with nets or with uh, hook and line? I'd say I think we can safely say that um, you know, Glean being an entirely ocean-locked place, um, you don't find great fishing equipment, but you do find equipment. Like this is definitely mm. it's like the roadside kit for for Blean. This isn't the the first time anyone has found themselves needing food. Um, yeah, I think. I'm, Duncan would be doing pole and line because he wants to run bait for an individual fish. Uh, he right. would suggest the others use nets as a kind of spray and pray approach instead of trying to be subtle. Okay. Um, yeah. So, um, cool. Uh, Duncan, can you go ahead and roll me? Um, I think I would, I would say this is probably sleight of hand. Okay. You've got you've got ten toadstools worth of bait. You've got ten. <laughs> Ten pieces. All righty, let's let's see what happens then. Sleight of hand, which he's good at. That is a seventeen. Seventeen. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, so you have a, a degree of success. Um, Maka and Ito. Ito, you're waiting to club fish. Uh, Maka, would you be yeah. uh, tossing a net? Um. Or would you be waiting to see what uh, what Duncan comes back with? I think he would have a great deal of interest in Ma in, in Duncan's experiment. 
Fair enough. Yeah. Um, all right, uh, Ida, can you roll me a? Um, uh, you said you're using a droid analysis. Yeah, for uh, sure. Go ahead and roll me roll me an attack with that, please. Okie dokie. Uh, all right, my attack bonus is three. Perfect. Um, Twelve. Okay. Um, you, uh, you, you, you could swear you're seeing fish and every time you do, you, um, you yell, because adroid analysis is when you just like yell equations of things to like. Uh, adroid analysis is actually analyzing like the movement pattern of my oh, okay. enemy. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so you're, you're just in full Sherlock, like imagining all the like possible fish patterns. Yeah. Yeah, um, there's really keeps, like complex like geometry like going just on. Yeah, keep saying on the discombobulate. Yeah, just like yeah. discombobulate, <laughs> like club in the water, discombobulate. <laughs> yeah. uh, those of you who haven't seen that YouTube video, look it up. You owe it to yourself. This is no, Tyler's gift discombobulate. to discombobulate. Um, okay, so um, but uh, throughout this, uh, unlike Robert Downey Jr., who uses discombobulate to great effect. Um, <laughs> You find yourself just slapping the water with with your club over and over and over again, and each time is with the utmost certainty of like you know when you you think there's one more step, and your entire body just like moves with the certainty of I will land on a step, and instead you land on 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 like a, a uh, flat surface, yeah. which honestly isn't bad. It doesn't really hurt you in any way, but it just feels like I don't know. I find my entire your stomach kind of like drops. Drop. Yeah. yeah. So you have that feeling uh, every time because Great. like. You you should be discombobulating fish, uh, but instead you were discombobulating nothing. Um, uh, after several several slaps of the water, you start to realize that like between the gray in the sky and the rain, and the fact that it's choppy water, like you're basically running a droid analysis on waves. Um, yeah. But uh, you know it was worth a shot, and I think also there was something in this for like just trying to prove to yourself that no, I. I can survive out here too. You know, hang it's, on, it's, hang on. Oh, the oh. waves take twelve damage. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> All right, roll for initiative. Poseidon, the <laughs> god of the sea, rises. Um, so that was uh, a great roll. Anyways, yeah. Uh, behold the great wave of Kanagawa, your new enemy. Um, <laughs> behold the fan art. Um, great. So Ryan, you're the only one who catches anything. Um, you pull some fish in. Um, the uh, how many fish would you want for a sample size of the the fungi, or would you check the first one before you cast again? I feel like he. I feel like he would want to get to the point of catching three, because three means we still have seven samples that are good for us to eat. But three is like, okay, was there an outlier, or like, if any, if one's evil, okay, maybe there was just an evil fish. <laughs> I feel like he wouldn't be a hundred percent, but he'd want to know the odds, you know. Every school of fish is going to have you know a couple of bad apples. Yeah, I yeah. think also he'd want to give Maka a chance to read realistically, which would be like, oh, if the first one seems okay, is the second one okay? Is the third one okay? Like, can we establish a pattern where everything is fine? And does Maka, he'd probably want to give him more than one shot at determining if there was a problem? Because sure. yeah, you don't want to poison yourselves because you're lazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, who knows? The fish, the evil fish could look like all the other fish until he like dances down some steps in Brooklyn and then paints his face. Like, And if we know, can find yeah. a healthy evil fish, then that one deserves to be eaten. So that also would please him. <laughs> Deal. Lady Justice, I bring yeah. you this fish. Uh, if you'd like me to eat it, <laughs> give me no sign. Um, okay, so uh, I think with that roll, um, you rolled well, um, and also you're not like under any threat, and you're also not starving at this point. Like you, you're still well fed, so I think it's easy enough to catch the three fish. You have bait, um, and uh, and so you pull the three fish up. 
Um, Maka, how would you want to go about uh, determining uh, what what is occurring with these fish? Would you try and do it while they're alive? Would you uh, either wait for them to asphyxiate? Would you club them? I know someone who can discombobulate them for you. Um, <laughs> I, would start easy, gonna, yeah, I would start with uh, a live um, and I would use my ritual speak with animals to talk to the fish. Oh, wow. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Yeah. So ritual uh, means that I don't use a spell slot for it. Um, it just takes me a little bit longer. So <laughs> I think we got to hold it in like a net for 10 minutes while I... I, I think I, we could say you start do doing that while I fish, yeah. you know? We'll yeah, make that's it work. true, yeah. yeah. Sure, yeah, yeah. You, don't, you just like have a bucket. <laughs> yeah. Dump the fish in the bucket. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. Uh, what does that ritual look like? Um... I think it is. I think it is silent meditation. I think it is. Um, I think it is visualizing the the animal or animals you wish to speak with, mm-hmm. and kind of focusing on that point until you feel almost like you feel the language changing in your mouth. If that makes any mm. sense. Yep. Yeah. Totally. If we want to build this in for a full flavor, it's swimming in Duncan's hat, and you can hold the hat while looking at the fish. Because uh, we could have a bucket, but I think we're more likely to have nothing. So it's just Duncan's hat. I was being nice. Uh, I like Duncan's hat a lot more. That's great. <laughs> yeah. Or Gwendolyn's helmet, but I don't think yeah. she'd give it up at this point. She's pretty cranky. She's that being really said, um, you know, there's no like spoken language for all kinds of animals. Like they they speak yeah. for like movement and scent and things like that. So I think it's more of a mental connection yeah yeah yeah. i think in in this case um uh also so that we don't enter like super bleak like hi my name's kevin great thanks kevin slap slap om nom i mean um this is the guy who that's not a problem for so (laughs) that's yeah yeah. the rest of us could hear it so we'll just see how much maka horrifies the party um yeah no (laughs) um uh i don't i don't think these fish are sentient they're just kind of doing their thing um so yeah you're seeing um i think it's it's fully instinctual what you're what you're gathering um uh from the fish um you uh obviously you can kind of like feel the panic of of being um hooked the survival instinct of of trying to get away um Mm. also the um the relief at no longer uh being like flailing around in the air Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, just a, a sort of a, a, a vague sense of confusion uh, about the hat situation. Like it's a small, like ocean big, hat small. Yeah. Something has changed. I think as long as it's maintained sort of like basic survival instincts of any kind of animal yep. and not uh, not a shift to that malice that I think he felt in yep. these corrupted um, vessels of Jossie. Um that would be extremely reassuring and I think I think sufficient. Do you want to roll a, an insight for me there, sir? <laughs> oh no. That one. <laughs> kill it. Um, it wants to kill us all. <laughs> um, this is actually a, a, pretty, a maniac in there. Uh, <laughs> just put on a happy face. Um yeah, you uh to the fish now. <laughs> <laughs> this is the way of the sea. The fish, the fish were robbed of armor. Now they own hat. Um yeah, so um <sighs> Marco, you don't get uh you, you, you obviously don't don't get any uh, great insight from the cluster off the uh off that check. And unfortunately, I'll say with your with your crit fail, um Though you don't get any information from it, the fact of not getting information unfortunately triggers in you 
the fears associated with the yeah. loss of Jossie and like, can you even reach out to this? Cause I think the cluster meditation that you've been dealing with is an internal cycle very much. So also you're, you're out on the water. So you can certainly feel the cluster kind of in, in the greater, like um, uh, aquatic ecosystem, but it's not underwater mold is a much different beast yeah, than like yeah. above ground. So I think there's, there's even it, it, there's that comfort that you, you already have uh, obviously about, um, I think identified that um, you can still feel the cluster and, and still use your abilities. So you've got some certainty, but I think for someone who's already doubting and, and worried, like, no, there's no hint of, of malice, but also there's no hint of anything. Um, and whether that's because of, uh, you're cut off from Jossie or because you just rolled incredibly badly, Maka certainly does not know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Maka, I think will. uh, just shake his head at Duncan and say, uh, I, I do not know. I, I am sorry, Duncan. I cannot in good faith say that this is safe to eat. Hmm. All right, well then, sorry. throw him back, give me my hat and we'll keep fishing. No, no. It might, it might have the influence of Jossie in it now. Mm, give it here. And he'll like reach to like say, like, give me, give me the fish oh, out of the wow. hat kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, go for it. There you yeah. go. Just put it down on the deck and he'll just mace it just with his club. Uh, <laughs> splat that fish. All right. Well, <laughs> I mean, awkward moment, but there's two more in the hat. So, you know, you turn to see Maka successfully discombobulate a fish. <laughs> <laughs> And I think, like, you don't say anything. You just turn back to the water. Like, this is still during your attempts at it and just yeah, redouble totally. your efforts. Like, it's possible. <laughs> yeah. uh, Maka will uh, destroy those two other fish as well. Yep. All right. So now oh, we've, got, we've got nets. And, uh, well, I don't have anything that they can eat because we've already eaten all the food. So... Mm, take to the nets. Mm, I will bring fish to you. Mm. All right, yeah, let's do this. Maka right, jumps okay, when will it get a net? We're going to need more of us. I feel like this is going to be impressive in a weird way. <laughs> Gwendolyn does, yeah. Yeah, as you say, Gwendolyn, as, as much as you're enjoying uh, sulking, uh, now that you've been called out about it, you feel like you have to, like, I, and I've 100% done this, usually with like a teacher, I think I've disappointed, but you just like 100% feel the need to like score a small helpful win just to prove oh, yeah. your like- To be like overtly helpful in a way that I make sure it gets noticed. Yeah, in like a fucking obviously, I'm always part of the yeah. team, like whatever. Uh, however, yeah. there that small petty little part of yourself that unfortunately was- uh, Just won't die? <laughs> yeah, yeah, encouraged by a lifetime of shitty like upbringing and, and environment um, is however, uh, a little bit excited that you get, get some fish revenge. There's just uh, something. Yeah. yeah oh, hundred percent. There's um, a little bit of a like a fuck you, Karen. Like this fuck you probably fucking new Karen. Like it's it's like really stupid stuff. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. Fuck you, new Karen is very good. <laughs> um. All right. Uh. So Maka, you jump into the water. What do you do? I cast conjure animals. <laughs> uh. How many panthers drown? <laughs> <laughs> Float to the surface like dead fish. Yeah. Yeah. The bounty of the sea. And now we eat. 
Feast okay. on Panther. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, I will call this spell Good Panther. <laughs> uh, I'm going to summon uh, four reef sharks. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Uh, and I'm going to uh, wild shape into a uh, like a saltwater crocodile. Um, and and uh, the five of us should, I hope, be sufficient to corral these fish around the ship so that the nets can just fucking pull up yeah. bushels of them. They're doing a, a full, uh, you know, climax of Finding Nemo. Just scare those fish into a net. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, my dude, I don't know what to make your role on this. It will come as no surprise that Gygax didn't plan for Reef Shark and Friends uh, adventures. Um, uh, I think... Maybe? Intimidation? Yeah, I was going to say intimidation or animal handling, but yeah, intimidation, intimidation. makes sense Intimidation. Right, let me roll um, intimidation uh. for these reef sharks. Do you want four rolls or do you want one roll representing their their effort? Uh, let's do that. But first, Maka, if you could roll me an animal handling, please. Okay. We'll say that that determines how well the reef sharks are able to accomplish your... Animal handling is good because it's wisdom. Um, 13. Cool. Okay. Old and eight, so, and that's pretty good. Yeah, damn it. That's not bad at all. Uh, so let's roll with advantage then on our intimidation, please. Okay. Intimidation. Uh, <laughs> Reef sharks have minus three charisma. With those big smiles, are you kidding me? Um, uh, okay, Tyler, swap out the uh, charisma for strength mod, please. Oh, intimidation using strength? I feel like they're not being yeah. like, hey, <laughs> <laughs> hey, fishy. I'm going to get you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get you. We're not so uh, different, you and I, they say, <laughs> approaching the fish. Uh, to to so be I've clear, got... Dum Dums and Dice does not endorse the eating of vulnerable or endangered species. <laughs> no, that's why we're not eating the reef sharks. Oh, yeah. we're just eating no, they're like chasing fish around. Of... We're giving them There are jobs. so many fish we I just we wanted to be clear. <laughs> we're not hunting for endangered species. We're like, <laughs> I want to eat a panda. <laughs> it's just being yelled from the ship. <laughs> I don't know about oh. you, but I've always wondered. You, know, you guys are not going to enjoy the panda hunt I have lined up for tomorrow's <laughs> session. It's called Panda Buffet, and it's just panda. Maka drowning pandas for you. Again, <laughs> oh, just, God! Just, all you were truly smart. You would use one of your bamboo shoots to breathe. Uh, whoa, he, whoa, whoa, whoa. he can kill pandas so efficiently, we'll have to call the business Panda Express. <laughs> uh, we'll make a lot of World of Warcraft players very happy. Uh, anyway, Tyler, uh, go ahead. But So with advantage, yes? Yes, uh, okay. because you you've helped handle them. So so that's a natural twenty as a result. Then Ooh, plus, that is if it matters, nice. two for their strength. Much better than looking at fish in a hat. Um, okay, <laughs> yeah. So uh, describe the scene for me, please. Um, I think it's. Um, I think Maka as a crocodile basically does a wide perimeter around the ship, um, and. Uh, these these four kind of strategically placed reef sharks, sort of almost, I guess, in each, what are they called, cardinal directions? Is that the term? North, south, east, west? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sounds yeah. cool to me. Um, yep. uh, basically, like, that's their quadrant, and everything that I push in from the outside, they manage further in until they're oh, yeah, yeah, tightly right. managed around the ship. Cool. Cool. Um, so, Duncan, I'm not going to make you roll for that because it's a nat 20. So I think, sure enough, there's kind of that moment of, like, I hope the turtle knows what he's, and then it's just like fish <laughs> slam into the net. Um, 
Ita, um, you suddenly scramble uh, for your club because you'd given up at this point on uh, your droid analysis. But mm-hmm. now there's just fish everywhere. So you begin to discombobulate the shit out of some fish <laughs> oh, off the side of the boat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we can't eat them because they're sinking. But No, you should just smack them and they, yeah, they just sink down. Oh, but no, like, she's very ready to like clutch them. Right. Uh, okay, in that case, I need a deck save from you, please, because I do not think Ida is that dexterous. <laughs> but let's find out. Let's see how wrong. ready she is. <laughs> 13. All right, uh, you, you lose four, but you get one, and you decide not to tell them about the other four. Like yes. any good, boastful fisher person, you're just going to claim first try. I'm going to tell them about the ones that got away. Uh, hey. <laughs> um, meanwhile, uh, Duncan, you're able to, uh, to to pull up a good haul um, of, of fish. Uh, question for you, though, sir. Um, you have the rest of the mushrooms that uh, uh, Maka was worried about using. Um, you, of course, uh, have mentioned kind of wanting to see how he was thinking about all this sort of stuff um, before using them. Would you keep those, do you think, or would you dispose of them? Um, I think he would dispose of all but one. I think he would hang on to one, because if there is a way for this to be like a tie into Jossie, then it might be useful if it okay. is corrupted. Cool. Um, I think he would ask him, though, because the last thing he'd want to do is accidentally put like something that could be tracked. Like, in, <laughs> it's like, the evil god has taken over the world. I'm going to wear the beeper. It's like, no, you, you don't fucking do that. So. What if I want to order a pizza? Yeah, I, th- I think when Maka came back, he'd be like, I think there might be some value in having this around if it's corrupted and that we might be able to put it in something or use it for something as a way to contact Mad Jossie. But I don't want it to be traceable or something that could lead Jossie to us. What do you think, Maka? You're the closest thing we have to an expert on this new version of your god. This... I... I've always felt a connection with Jossie. I have always taken Jossie with me. Hmm. This tracking that you speak of. Hmm. Jossie could find me, you, any one of us at any time. She is the god of death. Well, do you feel, for lack of a better term, crazy Jossie right now? If I close my eyes and try to reach out to Jossie, what happens? Um, it's uh, a little bit like uh, when you have uh, like gum damage or uh, a tooth that hurts, where you're just kind of like, I haven't hit, I, I, like literally, obviously this is a personal experience I do all the time. If I've got a bad toothache, I'll be like, does it still hurt though? And then I'll like poke it with my tongue and be like, oh God, my jaw. <laughs> oh, it still hurts. Um, and it's a little bit like that for you. Um, you reach out. Um, interestingly, again, you've got a sense of where you are is fine. Um, but when you specifically go to that, um, in the kind of in the distance almost, you can feel um, the, the madness and the rage. And the closer you get to it, you can, I think, start to realize that geographically, by being far enough away from Jossie, you've been able to draw on kind of that energy for a time now, thinking you were like directly connecting to her when you're actually just kind of hitting the fringes of, of what Jossie is. So because you're now, I think, reaching past that and specifically being like, I need to know what she is thinking right now, 
that's when you start to get get the actual hit. That said, there is a comfort to the fact that there is still that kind of aura around her, and there is still the, the cluster uh, operating. It would seem that, uh, I mean, obviously, life still exists on Gren, so the glomera isn't totally fucked yet, but it's on its way. Okay. Um, I think, think of it like gonna... a, yeah, it's almost like a dark storm cloud on the distant horizon. Present, be... scary, but not like... Right. I think because he reached into that cloud, he snaps his eyes open and reels a little bit um, and says, uh, there is that same madness and pain, but it is distant. Mm. All right, so we may as well hang on to this if there's not a direct line. Is there a term you want to use for this, for lack of a better term, but twisted or perverted version of Jassy? Mm. Tainted. Do you want to just refer to her as the tainted or tainted Jassy? I just want to be sure. Tainted Jossie, this is not, this is not how she will be. It is how she is now. And I, we, will write this and fix it. Correct, my friend. But first, let's eat a boatload of fish. Mm. Uh, and with that, uh, you settle in uh, to a meal together. Um, and despite uh, the danger of of the tainted jossie sort of in the distance uh the threat of the singkai the questions about all of your various situations um and so often in spite of yourselves um the four of you actually share a rare moment of peace uh we're able to relax uh ever so slightly as you eat uh the bounty of the turtle and his imaginary friends This episode of Curse Code and Crowd Sound was mixed and edited by Laura Hamstra, and the campaign was created by Tom McGee. Our original theme music was composed by Landon Noblock, and Curse Code and Crown's logo was created by the brilliant Decapitated Markers. If you want to follow our players or our DM on Twitter, you can reach out to Laura at EL Hamstring, Ryan at the Ryan LeBlanc. Tyler at Tyler underscore Hewitt, Tom McGee at McGeeTD, or you can message our whole company at Dum Dum Dice. So please join us again for more Curse, Code, and Crown! Dum Dums and Dice has to give a special thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time. Christian Manicola, the half-blind prophet. Christopher Little, Sue One, George Dolby. One True Artistry, Orion Birchfield. Lord Abradovic, Noel Lewis, Scott Garland, Anthony Griffin, Benjamin V, Gavin and Abby McDonald, Cade Peters, Richard Cranium, Anna Zed, Eric Williams, Logan, Fire on Friendly, Acrix, Cameron Ezel, Grandma Likes D&D, Alan, Austin Nut Powers Fry, Stabby Stranger, and Jill and Noel LaPlante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish.